This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And good afternoon. Welcome to it. About six minutes after four o'clock. John Scholes here along with Leah Moody. We are ready for your phone calls on this uh, this afternoon. You have questions about uh, your employment, uh, your job, maybe you're an employer, maybe it has something to do with COVID-19, being off work, temporary layoff, severance pay, it doesn't matter, bring it all on, questions all welcome. And remember as well, when you ask a question here live on air this afternoon, you're probably helping hundreds if not thousands of other people who have a similar question, and maybe don't get a chance to call in, so feel free to uh, to start it up. 604-280-9898 is the way to call in now, want to send an email along, we'll Endeavor to get to a few of those sometime a little later on this afternoon. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But that said, let's uh, let's get it happening with a week that was always the way we kick off the show. And uh, Leah, how are you, pal? Oh, I'm good. How are you, John? I am ready to roll, man. Loving it. Loving it. Take it yeah, away. Yeah, me, t- me too. There are just so many things that have been going on. And I feel like in a very recent conversation that I had with a friend of mine, I was talking about how... Uh, busy employment lawyers have been lately. It just seems like everybody who practices employment law has been just underwater with the amount of work that there is. And, you know, it's always the case that, you know, ever since I've started practicing employment law, I don't think I've ever been to a gathering, a family dinner, a party where someone at the table doesn't say some version of, hey, my uncle Bob was dealing with this thing at (laughs) his, you know, in the lunchroom. What do you think about that? And, you know, that's just amplified times a thousand with COVID because everybody has an employment law issue right now. Uh, It's, you know, it just seems to be running rampant. And this hour, this employment law hour that we've got on the radio is essentially your opportunity to corner that employment lawyer at the party and ask them the question that has been on your mind. That is exactly why we are here. We are here to talk about employment law issues, of course. And, you know, we've got the things that we want to inform the public about if if nobody calls in but the primary reason why we're here is to take your phone calls take your questions we are here for you so if you have any questions any concerns want to know what you're entitled to what your rights are give us a call over the next hour and and we'll be happy to help you through it so one of the first things that i wanted to talk about um during this show is in case everyone is you know not full up on vaccine talk yet is vaccines um, because it's it's been a really hot topic in the employment law world as it has been everywhere. And, you know, one of the main questions that we keep coming up against are, you know, what are my rights as an employee when it comes to mm-hmm. being vaccinated? Do I have to be? Can an employer make me? Uh, how can I refuse it? Do I have to prove that I've been vaccinated? What happens to my medical information when I do provide that proof? And of course, employers want to know, can I force my employees to get vaccinated? Can I ask that information? And what do I do if I have people who are not vaccinated? And, you know, I, I think that to a large extent, we are still sort of building the plane as we're flying it. There's still a lot of things that we're figuring out as we go. Um, yeah. But for the most part, there are some general principles that have been uh, that, you know, we can assume are going to apply to this situation because that is the way health issues and employment law have sort of always um, have always interacted with one another. Sure. You as an employee have a basic right to your privacy. Right. So if you do provide medical information to your employer, 
whether that be the diagnosis behind your medical leave, whether that be the fact that you were vaccinated or not, you do have a right to know what happens with that information, uh, how it's stored, and to be assured that it's not going to be disseminated or used or even potentially kept. Um, so, you know, those are questions that you are, uh, you're entitled to, to know. Um, you are also entitled to not be vaccinated. That is your personal choice. Uh, and until the federal or provincial government says, um, you know, we are mandating vaccines for the population, that is something that is still going to be left up to the individual. And that includes in workplaces. That even includes companies and organizations that serve a vulnerable population. So you have a lot of people asking, well, you know, it, does that apply for hospitals? Does that apply for people who uh, work in air travel or at, of course, long-term care facilities? And the answer is yes. Your employer cannot force you to be vaccinated. Um, they can set a policy that strongly encourages their employees to be vaccinated and that sets out what will happen if you're not, but they can't force you to be vaccinated. Um, and what does that mean at the end of the day? Where it um, you know, sort of stands to be the, the biggest issue for both an employee and employer mm -hmm. is if an employee doesn't wanna be vaccinated for medical or religious reasons. In that instance, if you've got a medical reason why you, you can't be vaccinated, if you have a religious reason why you can't be vaccinated, then that is something that the employer will have to accommodate. What that accommodation looks like will completely depend on what kind of workplace you're in, but it's probably gonna look a lot like what's going on right now, right? Allowing you to work from home, uh, you know, uh, having mask mandates for the store, um, plexiglass, things like that. Employers sort of have this four, five, six head monster of a obligation, we'll call it the obligation monster, where they've just got so many things, so many balls they have to keep in the air. They have the legal obligation to keep the workplace safe. They have to accommodate their workers. They have to serve their customers and, and keep the business running. So it's a, it's a really, really fine balancing act. And so many things are going to be fact dependent. One thing that's recently happened in BC, which I found to be very interesting is that it's it's been a live question for me ever since I started thinking about this as to whether or not an employee who doesn't want to be vaccinated for political reasons can claim protection. And uh, you as an employee in British Columbia, you do have the right not to be discriminated against on the basis of political affiliation. And wow. for the most part, that's thought to um, that's thought to, you know, the, the ambit of that is, you know, if you go in there wearing like a liberal shirt, you can't be terminated for, you know, voting liberal. Right. Um, but, you know, this has become such a heavily politicized issue. And there was a lot of discussion, like with masks, about whether or not somebody who doesn't want to be vaccinated or somebody who doesn't want to wear a mask can claim uh, political protection that that mm -hmm. discriminates just like you can't discriminate on the basis of uh, for a medical reason or religious reason you can't discriminate right. if somebody uh, doesn't want to do this for political reasons and there's been a recent human rights decision that came out with respect to somebody in the workplace that refused to wear a mask because um, they just didn't want to and their employer fired them. Their employer had uh, required them to wear one on the job. And as a result of his refusal to not wear one, he was terminated. And that, uh, that complaint didn't even make it to the tribunal. There was an initial screening decision and it was completely dismissed. 
they were said that you having the opinion that wearing a mask doesn't stop the transmission of COVID-19 isn't protected by the Human Rights Code. Now, this particular complainant didn't make the argument that it was a political belief, but he did make the argument sort of akin to that, that it was his creed, it was his religious creed, and that he would not wear a mask. This was something that was a belief that was so like held personally and importantly to him that it basically constituted a religion, which you would imagine would be somewhat of the same argument that somebody would use to justify a political belief. And this was fairly categorically not even entertained at the Human Rights Tribunal. And good. so I think we now have an answer that I agree good. <laughs> yes. But if, if I agree, you know, and so we now know that if somebody comes in and says, you know, that they do, whether it be customer or employee, that they don't want to wear a mask, they, they don't want to be vaccinated, and there's no medical or religious reason, you as an employer, you can terminate that individual. Just like that, we are back. It is uh, 417. Lots of time for you to call through, ask your questions. Leah is full of answers, so bring it on. 604-280-9898. That is the number for the remainder of the show here. And uh, feel free to call in. We'd love to talk to you. Get your uh, get your answers, get your questions on the air. It helps everybody. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. In that regard, we'll get to uh, to Ed. Hi, Ed. Thank you for standing by for a moment. Good afternoon. How are you? Great. Yeah, quick question. Um, sure. Well, quick. Yeah, sure. Um, I have an employee who is uh, off on maternity leave, and uh, uh, her job is no longer available for her to come back to. So I'm wondering what my obligations are. So you've got um, a statutory obligation, so under the Employment Standards Act, to return anybody who's on a statutorily protected leave to the job that they left. Um, so, you know, obviously the law recognizes that you're not required to hold open a position or, you know, board up your windows or not do something that's obviously in your best interest, um, you know, simply because somebody's on leave. But you want to be careful with respect to the optics, because if the reason why her job is not available is because of a restructuring, that's one thing. If the reason why her job is not available is because you found somebody to replace her and you just like that person better, I, I would suggest that you work really hard to try to find a possible alternate position for her, for her to return to. If there's no possibility that is comparable in terms of the type of position that she left and the level of compensation that she was at, then um, then you really don't have any other option but to offer what I would suggest would be a generous severance package. And sorry, uh, I missed the, a generous what package? Or... A, a, a severance package. Yes. Now, this employee has been with the company for um, one or two months longer than a year. Uh, since okay. she began her employment, and and the work that she was doing is now being done um, off off site by one of our other employees' um, spouses, and and they're, they're doing it for four hours a week, and and have no other work for this particular person. So, okay, so here's here's the million dollar question, Ed. If she hadn't have been on mat leave, would you still have outsourced her work to this external company? Uh, um, no. So uh, then I, I really do think that you need to tread carefully because the optics of that would suggest that because under the BC Human Rights Code, indirect discrimination 
is also recognized as being something that employers have to be wary of. And so if you can say that, but for the fact that she was on leave, she would still have her job, that's a potential human rights code complaint. So for yeah. somebody who's there for over a year, um, you know, under the Employment Standards Act, she's entitled to a week. It, under the BC common law, she's closer to two to three months at least. I would, I would just make sure to cross your T's and dot your I's, try to get her to sign a release in exchange for, for what I would recommend would be a generous severance package. <laughs> okay. Um, now, and what would be considered generous? So for somebody in her shoes, we're talking, you know, the minimum she's going to get if she doesn't have an employment contract is, is she does two have to three an employment months. Contract. Okay. Oops. All right. So if she has an employment contract that enforceably limits her to like, do you know offhand if your employment contract limits her termination entitlements? Uh, yes. It specifies in compliance with BC labor standards. Okay, so assuming that, that that provision in and of itself is enforceable and that the contract is enforceable, right? So she yeah. she received something in exchange for signing it. If she's yeah, been there job. for just over a, a job, yes, but, but I, what I mean by that is um, that it was, it was given to her as part of the offer of employment. So it yeah. wasn't something yeah. that, you know, was given to her after she started kind of thing, right? No, so this, was, as long this, as, this was done promptly, yeah. Okay. So as long as that is um, that's all that's all done properly, and it sounds like it was, then the contract technically limits her to one week. And so anything in excess of that one week is going to be considered gratuitous. Um, what I would consider generous as an employment lawyer, where if she came to me as a potential client and said, "This is what somebody's offering me. What should I do?" I would I would be telling her to look hard at an offer that was in that two to three month range, because then she's got to ask the really difficult question as to whether or not it's something that she wants to pursue at the human rights tribunal. Um, uh, like I okay, said, my, my, yeah, my, my first point, my first recommendation, Ed, is, is to try to find her a job. I, I really, yeah. I really do feel strongly about that. And, and if there really, really isn't anything there's no way to recall that work. There's no way to put her in a comparable position. Then I do think that you need to to take care to um, to to offer her enough money that going to the human rights tribunal is not going to be um, uh, worthwhile for her. Okay. Now, uh, supposing I I give her that as well as uh, three or four months notice, or do I wait until the day she comes back to work and and inform her? Yeah, so the, the problem with giving somebody notice while they're on leave is that it doesn't count. You have to, you have to pay them for the notice. So, I mean, you can, do, you can do her a solid, let her know that that is what is going to happen, and that yeah. when she, you know, you can offer to pay her the severance, you know, right now. I don't know if she's still on benefits, and so maybe it is of some value to her to be continue to be actively employed for the next three or four months. But for legal purposes, that notice is not going to count unless you're paying her. So the only thing that that will do is maybe it'll it'll be a show of goodwill that you want to give her some advance notice so that she can start looking for other work before she's expecting to return. But I would still offer her a full severance package. I mean, you legally would I'm still not, have I'm to not, offer her I'm a full not, excuse package. me, but I'm not even sure that she's going to return, you know? 
Mm. Why not? Because she's a mother now. Mm. Well, uh, so am I. <laughs> Yeah. So am I, yeah. Ed, and and I and yeah. I I work so many not, hours a day. You wouldn't sure even believe. She, I'm not. I'm not sure if she would prefer to work or to prefer to look after a child. For I don't know that. Anyway, that's no, that's no, I, I know, and I know, but 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 let me just give you a piece of advice. If you're yeah. asking yourself that question, that the only person who can answer that is the woman. It, mm-hmm. it is not for any employer or any company to make an assumption based on what a concern of yours might be. So, you know, that decision should ultimately be left to her. Okay. So then to summarize, uh, whether I wait until she comes back to work, but, but nothing takes effect until she's back at work. And then, then, uh, then, then proceeding at that point and giving her notice in advance is more courtesy than, than a requirement or, that's right. That's right. I would just think that that's, that's a kindness to give her the heads up so that she can start looking for other work. If there's no way that she's going to be able to be employed, that might just be, you know, enough time for her to start sending out resumes and start wrapping her mind around it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. I think you've You're added welcome, some clarity Ed. to the situation. Appreciate it. And good work. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you very Thanks, much. Ed. Take appreciate, care. Uh, appreciate your time. Some great questions there. I mean, those are, that, that's why we stuck so long with Ed, because I figured so many people have similar questions, so let them keep going. And, and some important things there. I mean, you touched on some really key topics, and one of them was dealing with somebody who's off on a maternity leave or parental leave. You've got to, you know, that, that ice can crack under your feet so quickly if you're not careful about what you're doing, right? Yeah. And I mean, John, ever since we've been doing this show, ever since you've been doing this show with Lior, our motto has been don't mess with the mamas. And and that is very specifically for a reason. It's because the law operates to really, really protect individuals who um, who take leave to do the very important work of having and raising children. That number that Ed used, you can use it as well. You still got plenty of time. 604-280-9898 is the way to go getting into our topic for the afternoon the most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer i know you had to whittle this down to about uh, 10 or 12 leah but there's you can i mean we could do (laughs) 10 shows on on this list but we'll uh we'll get right into them and a very common one you get of course is hey look i didn't do anything wrong can my employer terminate my employment can they fire me oh yes yes they can they most (laughs) certainly can and and that is the one you know that i find tends to surprise the most people and is often why people call us in the first place because you know they feel that they just got a good performance review so how is this possible that their employment can be terminated but if you are a non-unionized employee your employer can terminate you at any time for any reason as long as it's not discriminatory and they pay you your full severance entitlements so you know, I think that when I give advice to my employer clients, I say that, you know, treat people like a human out the door, right? Give them the information, give them the reason, you know, don't, um, you know, don't try as much as you can to not have it be a blind side. Like we were just speaking about with Ed, you know, do people the, the solid of giving them some sort of advance notice, giving them a conversation, uh, you know, giving them chance to pack up without anybody else in the workplace there, because it's that stuff. It's feeling like they were blindsided. It's feeling like they weren't treated well. It or it's that that causes so many people to, to see a lawyer. And I'm not encouraging people to not see a lawyer. I absolutely think that people should see a lawyer. But the most important takeaway from this, you know, question that I get is that 
you are not protected by good performance. You are not protected by seniority. You are only protected by your severance entitlements. And so it is critical, critical that you know what those are and you pursue them. And welcome back. 4.30 here, ready for more of your phone calls. 604-280-9898 is the way you call through here live. Get your call on air. Ask your questions for Leah. 604 604- Two eight zero nine eight nine eight. You want to reach out through email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Real simple. There's also the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It has everything to do about employment law. It's absolutely free. It's anonymous. There is a contact button at the top right if you want to use that as well. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Okay, most common questions, Leah, you get asked as an employment lawyer daily. Another one is this one, the big one. How much severance should I get? Yeah, that is the big one. That's absolutely the most common question that I get. And it's also, you know, the bread and butter of what most plaintiff side employee uh, employment lawyers do is figuring out what your severance is. Because remember, you know, at the end of the day, it's not it's not the reason that that goes to whether or not you've been wrongfully dismissed. It's whether or not you've been provided with the right notice, whether or not you've been provided with the right severance. And honestly, the answer to this question also generally causes the most surprise and the most explanation on my part because I think sometimes it can sound almost too good to be true um, you know or the the you know Google is not as um, as informative as, as it should be uh, which is you know part of the reason why I have a job I understand that because you know in some cases I'm telling people that they're entitled to 18 months instead of the eight weeks that yeah. the employment standards branch says that they're entitled to or their employer says that they're entitled to and so these employees say why would my company break the law why would they shortchange me so significantly um or you know if it was so obvious or such a huge difference like as between eight weeks and 18 months why why wasn't that the first search result on google and, right. and all i can really tell you and all i i ever answer is that i wouldn't have a job if it wasn't true and if there wasn't so much misinformation out there Oftentimes, employers give you less than you're entitled to because they don't know better. They, you know, just just as you're in the dark, a lot of employers are in the dark too. Uh, you know, many websites and companies they'll cite the Employment Standards Act as the basis for your entitlements, and you know that is the um, piece of legislation in BC that does govern your basic entitlements, your uh, entitlements in the event of a termination. Um, in BC, if you've been there for more than three months, you get one week. If you've been there for more than 12 months, you get two weeks. And if you've been there for more than three years, you get three weeks plus an additional week for every year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. And this is where people get tripped up because it says maximum. And so people think, okay, well, that's this is the Employment Standards Act. Yeah. Those are my entitlements. And it says maximum, you know, like there's there's no there's no possible other definition of the word maximum other than to say that it's a ceiling. But I am here to tell you that your entitlements in the Employment Standards Act are actually only your base. They are your floor. They are not your ceiling. The only way that you legally max out at your Employment Standards Act entitlements is if you have, uh, you know, as we discussed with Ed, uh, a legally signed enforceable contract that specifically and explicitly makes them your ceiling. So in BC, there are two systems of law that govern what you're entitled to. Statute, which is the Employment Standards Act, and common law, which is judge-made law. Both of those together inform what you're entitled to when you're terminated. So unless you have some sort of contract that says that 
the ESA minimum is all that you get that it's not even you don't even get the common law unless your contract says you were you're going to get the ESA minimums you're going to get one week per year of service to a maximum of eight weeks and this is in full satisfaction of all of your rights and entitlements including your common law rights and entitlements you have significantly more entitlements than what the ESA provides and this is why I always recommend that if you're fired if you're let go do not do not for the love of God sign anything give no. us a call we will review your package for free and we will make sure that you're getting everything that you're entitled to. Worst case scenario, you waste five minutes of your life for me to tell you that everything is good, you can sign on the dotted line and you can sleep at night. But I, I can tell you in the vast majority of cases, I will likely say some version of this is not good enough and here's how I suggest we improve it yeah. for you. By the way, to reach out to Leah and her team anytime uh, when we're not on the show for a lengthier conversation, no problem. 604-283-3123 is the way to do that. You know, you mentioned, too, that some employers are just ignorant of the fact of the common law and they know more. And then some are just, they might know more, but, hey, why, why would I give you the full nut when I can probably assume that you're not going to know any better and just sign off on whatever pittance I've given you in the severance offer? And then sometimes they even phone you. And you say, no, it's not eight weeks, it's 18 months. And they say, hey, Moody, stop drinking the bong water. Like, like how do you figure I get that much more? Because, <laughs> because they're not wise to the common law, right? I mean, you spend so much time explaining this to people, right? No, yeah, John. Well, first of all, I can confirm that nobody's ever said that to me. Okay? You're the first, actually. You're the first who's ever said, Moody, stop drinking the bong water. Just to put that on the record. Um, but no, I mean, I, I have a handful. I've got about 35 or so employer clients, and they're all companies that I love to work with. They're all people who, uh, who want to do right by their employees. Um, and they're just looking for guidance on how to do it. And, and honestly, those are really the only employers that I like to work with. I don't like to work with people who are trying to shortchange and get away with a quick one. And for me to exist in sort of my day to day, I have to assume that the reason why I have so much work is because people don't have the information because people are ignorant. But John, in my more sober moments, in my more realistic moments, of course, I recognize the fact that there is a huge number of employers out there, a couple that came immediately to mind that I'm not going to name on air, um, that should know better, have legal yep. counsel that absolutely would be giving them the advice that they're entitled to more, and they still try to get away with it. And the reason why they do that is because they bank on the fact that you will not pursue it. They bank right. on the fact that you will see your letter that says, you need to sign this in 48 hours, and if you don't, we're not going to give you these extra two weeks that we are out of the you know generosity of our huge hearts offering you uh, that that scares you and that that kind of pressure tactic causes you to sign um, you know that is something that a lot of employers use it's what a lot of employers do and it's one of the reasons why I love this show even on a Sunday afternoon is because if there's even one person who's out there listening and they find themselves in a situation and they say you know what I'm going to call a lawyer. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be my firm. I would love for it to be. I would love to help you out. But please just make sure that you get advice. Please just make sure that you know what it is that you're entitled to before you sign on that dotted line. Because there are a lot of employers who try to take advantage of you. 
You know, and, and at that point you made just a moment ago is the next one as far as common questions you get. They say, you know, I'm panicking here, Leah. My severance letter says I have to accept, you know, Friday at 5 or else, you know, I'm, 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 I'm panicking, I'm sweating, what do I do? Or they phone you saying that's the reason why I did sign is because there was a date on it that said I had to. Yeah, and, and that speaks to the pressure tactic, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's why a lot of employers put a date in there is to be able to close their own books, but also to, to have this, to, to you know, um, manufacture this feeling of, I need to do this or I'm going to lose something. So if, I mean, we'll talk about whether or not that's legitimate in a second, but let's just, let's just you know, pinpoint what it is that you need to do if this happens. Ask for more time. It is yeah. really that simple. Tell them that you need to sleep on it. Talk it over with your family. Call me, but tell them that you need more time. Whatever your excuse is, just tell them that they need more time and they'll give it to you. Because I've actually never seen um, an employer deny more time, maybe once or twice. But even in that instance, the individual who I was speaking with, they come to me and they tell me that, I fire off a quick email saying, really, are you? Are you sure this is the tactic you want to take? And they back down right away because they know it's in their best interest to provide you with more time. Because if they don't, they run the, the risk of the entire thing being thrown aside because they only gave you, you know, 24 hours and not enough time to seek legal advice. But more to the point, your rights don't expire when they say that they do. Your rights, your entitlements become what they become at the moment that you're terminated and no passing of deadlines is going to change that. So, you know, I, I, to be fair, I also don't think that it's necessarily wise to ignore a deadline. You know, sure. I always try to at least respond to ask for more time, um, you know, just to be respectful and get the negotiation started off on the right foot. But it, it's really, your entitlements don't uh, stop being what they are just because it's now Friday at 5.01 instead of Friday at 5.49. Um, highly, highly recommend that you ask for more time. You can even say that you're seeking legal advice. In fact, I would recommend it. You know, there's no harm in doing that at that point. Sure. Um, but no, there's, there's nothing about that deadline that changes um, what you are entitled to. And if you do get a deadline, all you can and should do is just ask for the time that you need in order to get legal advice and, uh, and really give it some thought. Welcome back to it, uh, 446. You still got some minutes to call through, ask your question. 604-280-9898 is the way to go. We'll get to them right now. Brad, thanks for standing by. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man. Go ahead. Okay. Um, almost two years ago, it'll be two years on May the 15th, I was let go from this particular employer. Now, I am not disputing the fact uh, I lost my job. That's not a, that for me. I wanted to leave anyway. However, there were things other than their criteria that I want to bring up. Uh, for example, uh, I think this is part human rights violation because I am injured. I have a, uh, an injured knee and an ankle and whatnot, and I have trouble walking. Yet, I was not allowed to park on the immediate premises. I had to park either on the street, which is a good distance away from the uh, workplace, or in uh, a gravel area just up from there. And I wasn't allowed to park on the uh, in the uh, 
employment area. However, all women were allowed to park there because, and I quote, they wear high heels. So I had to struggle with getting to work on foot and they knew I was injured because they helped pay for my orthotics. So they knew all about it. Secondly, I think there was some sexual discrimination as well. But in in the final analysis, I only got two weeks. And after listening to you, I understand I would have been allowed much more than that. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, I think that... I mean, let's just let's just back up to the parking issue, right? So, so regardless of who the parking has been given to, if you are somebody who has been injured or you're disabled in any sort of way and you require accommodation, it is critical that you that you ask for it, that you identify to your employer that you need accommodation, and that will trigger your employer's legal obligation to give it to you. So that could very well include, and I do not see why it wouldn't have to allow you to park in the parking lot rather than the street. Oh, um, they, they, the problem they knew is, is that... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, they knew about it, and they knew about it in the space, and I asked for it several times. So, I mean, that's unfortunate to hear, especially two years after the fact, because the the time limit, the, the limitation period for bringing a human rights code complaint is a year. Now, there is a mechanism at the BC Human Rights Tribunal where you can ask for an extension of that time if you can if you have a good reason as to you know why it's taking you that long or if it's a good um, you know if it's in the interest of uh, if it's in the public interest to hear the complaint so you're not completely um, you know out of luck there but for the most part it's you have to make that complaint within a year now you still can technically make a severance um, claim because you have two years from the date of your termination to make a severance complaint, which sounds to me like it's coming up in the next month. Yeah. If you were only given two weeks and there's no contract that you've signed, there's no agreement or offer letter that limits you to those two weeks, then you are almost certainly entitled to more. I think that there's going to come a question as to what, if anything, you did sign um, and how quickly you did find another job. But I mean, certainly, I would say that you're likely entitled to more than the two weeks you received. Okay, now, I didn't sign anything to the best of my knowledge. All I did, they sent me down in the office and said that I was fired. And um, I was pretty, shall we say, um, not happy with that. However, um, I wanted to know what the next step would be in order to maintain, to attain the uh, severance pay that I'm due. So, um, I mean, regardless of why you were terminated, you're going to be entitled to severance unless they took the position that you were, you were terminated for cause. Um, but because you're coming up against a limitation period, and just so that I'm absolutely clear in what that means, if you were terminated May 15th of 2019, you only have until May 15th of 2021 to make your claim. That's if correct. You wait until, if you wait until May 16th, there's no, there's no helping you. There's no way right. that you can get out of that. So I would certainly recommend that you speak to a lawyer sooner rather than later. Emphasis on the sooner. Um, okay. Most of the time, these kinds of severance issues, they resolve with a couple of letters back and forth between counsel but, or, or even just between myself and the company. You know, they, they were hoping that they'd get away with it. Once they're called on it, they put more money on the table just to, you know, quote unquote, make it go away. So 
90% of the time, this is something that can just be dealt with by way of some informal negotiation and you know, assuming that there's no contract that limits you and assuming that, you know, you didn't find work the next day, um, then that it's you definitely have a severance claim that you can and you should pursue. Brad, appreciate the time. Going to let you go and uh, move on. You want to reach out further to uh, to Leah? No problem. You could do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and 604-283-283. 3123 in that regard moving on down the line to uh, to jim jim thank you for standing by for a few minutes there how are you no problem it's tim um tim the, go ahead bill the my question is i've worked for a company for 11 years and i'm going to quit because i found a better opportunity somewhere else can they come after me for anything and or if, <laughs> can they come after me for any losses or anything just uh, I mean that is a that's a that's a very loaded question and it's it's very difficult to answer without without you know knowing the specifics of your job or what your obligations are contractually or otherwise. Okay. Um, I'll give you some I'll give you some very general basics. Um, if you you should give proper notice, right? Just yeah. so that you maintain all relationships, but there's also no actual legal requirement for you to give any amount of notice. Um, every employee in British Columbia is going to be held to a implied obligation of confidentiality. So you can't and you shouldn't be, um, you know, spreading their trademark secrets out into the world and you, and you certainly should not be using them. Um, if you have anything in a contract of employment that speaks to your ability to go after customers or your ability to compete, that's something that you are going to want to specifically take a look at with a lawyer to figure out how you can work for other people, um, whether or not it's allowed, and whether or not those provisions are even enforceable. Um, you know, other than that, I think that if you've caused any form of loss to clients while you were working there, uh, and that is, you know, something that is uh, traceable to you, then I think that the company would still have an action against you, but they can't go after you simply for resigning. No. Okay. All right. That's, 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 that's good. It's kind of strange that I can go after them, but they can't go after me. Eh? <laughs> that's, I guess that's the way. It well, goes. They, they can, but it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult for the employer to, to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's seen that employees, individuals, that it's harder for them to find work. And so, there's just there's more protection surrounding them because they seem to be the powerless one in that relationship. For the for the for me for the employee. Yes, that's right. Okay. All right. I was kind of okay. All right. I think I gave him two weeks notice, but I just I'm um, great. I'm the thing is I don't understand because if they fired me, they'd have to pay me eleven months pay. So it's kind of two two things because I, he sent me to school and everything. He's paid me all the time, but now I'm leaving. I don't. He doesn't. He can't come after me unless he has something on me. Correct. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for your time. You're Thanks, very Jim. Appreciate the uh, appreciate your time as well. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Want to get one or two more of these in before we wrap for the day? And that is some of the common questions, Lee. You get every day in the practice. Oh, this one's a huge one, especially over the last uh, 55 weeks of the pandemic. My employer says I am on a temporary layoff. What can I do? Ugh, yes. So much of our work lately has been with respect to temporary layoffs. Um, 
and, and you know, even before the the pandemic, it probably this this question about layoffs wasn't asked as often as it should be. Uh, I think a lot of people assume that layoffs just happen, and I think especially with the pandemic, especially back in March of last year, you had a lot of individuals say, "This makes sense. This is why there's a layoff provision in the Employment Standards Act. This is, mm-hmm. you know, for exactly situations like this when an employer has to shut down or they're going through particular financial difficulties or you know any any number of reasons." I understand why a layoff has to happen and I understand that I have to sort of sit back and wait. But the and whatever you decide you want to do for yourself personally or you know to to help your employer that's entirely your call. That's entirely a personal decision, but legally legally speaking it's very important that you know as an employee that a temporary layoff of your employment is a termination. An employer and a company can't just lay you off doesn't matter if it's winter it doesn't matter if the company is going under it doesn't matter if there's a global pandemic they cannot just lay you off and expect for you to sit at home for 13 weeks and be recalled to work if you are in that situation you absolutely have the right and the ability to characterize that as a termination and go after your severance if you decide to wait the 13 weeks and they don't recall you you are terminated and you are entitled to severance at that moment. If they do recall you, what you're going to want to do is you want to make sure, especially right now, especially with all of these waves and we don't know where the end of the pandemic is going to be, if you're recalled and you go back to work, you want to be sure that you're telling them, I'm coming back to work, but I do not recognize this as a term of my employment. I am not consenting to be laid off in the future. We are done for the afternoon. Thank you for all your calls and correspondence. Nicely done. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, 604-283-3123. How you reach Leah right there. The email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for all things employment, simply go to the website, employmentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.